Imagine waking up in the morning to birdsong. Bright sunlight pours through the windows that line the south wall of your off-grid home. Using solar energy and recycled water, you make your first coffee of the day. There are no bills to open and no need to rush to work because your home is fully self-sustaining. It is an Earth ship. This podcast is about a group of people who set out to build such a home in Luxembourg. I'm Jess Baldry. Welcome on board the Erdschiff podcast. Uh, I wanted to give us a name for a group for the tires, and I thought of Earth, Wind and Tire. (laughs) Does that work for you guys? (laughs) That funny guy is Rodrigo. He's one of two full-time employees working for the Centre for Ecological Learning Luxembourg, who is overseeing the project. Here he is on day one, on the 29th of July, 2019, giving a pep talk to a group of volunteers who have come from all over Europe to help with the first stage, building a wall entirely from tyres. As you'll soon discover, the jokes just keep on coming. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does get tiring. No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) I met the team at the construction site in Redon-sur-Attert, nestled between the high school and a supermarket. It is a beautiful summer's day and everyone is excited about pounding dirt. This learning centre is inspired by the off-grid earthships that were pioneered by architect Mike Reynolds in the New Mexico desert in the 1970s. The idea is to use repurposed materials Modern car tyres are made from rubber and plastic and have a massive impact on the environment. They take seven gallons of oil to make each one. Then there are the microplastics, small bits of plastic that find their way into the natural environment. Often tyres are reclaimed and used as playground material. In some instances, they are burned for fuel. Only in earthships are they used to make buildings. So, how's it going? Good. <laughs> Exciting. It's finally happening. Yeah, it's a lot more people than uh, I thought. This is good. <laughs> start to start. Yeah, yeah. Next week, next week is going to be even more. So that, that's that's a good thing. Because next week is uh, the second week. Next week, the Earthship crew is coming. Right. And um, and uh, a lot more um, local volunteers have uh, decided also to come. Because okay. for them, most of these people here are staying for four weeks. And the locals are mainly staying a week or two or some a few days only. So these 20 people who are here, where are they from? Uh, Spain, Italy, Germany, uh, France, uh, Turkey and there's one from Bulgaria as well, I think. And they respond to the call from the European volunteers? We worked in collaboration with the Service National de la Jeunesse Uh to to do this four-week workshop. Can you tell me how you're... Can you describe your feeling today, of getting up this morning, knowing something big's happening? Yes, very excited, very happy, uh, a little tired, but uh, very good. <laughs> Hold on, i got to explain this here. Uh, I know about the Earthship project for about two years, seeing a documentary on Arte, as far as I remember, and then there was another movie on Netflix, and just interesting project are you working in, in construction yourself no not at all no 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 so your interest in conservation is more personal uh, yeah 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 and using stuff that is thrown away to to build something is actually yeah. do you idea. do that already in your own home or your own yeah I try place? to avoid I don't own a car anymore so I won't produce any tires for this produce my own bread sourdough 
I tried to live with a small carbon footprint. It came gradually because I was fed up with how my parents lived in a sense. Uh, so I brought new ideas home. And then I sold the car about nine years ago. And since then it's all walking, bus or bike. How did you get here? It's a long way from city. Bus, yeah. yeah. One hour drive by bus, yeah. Okay. You're using this time to give back? Yes. And yes. well, for the last, yes, same time as I don't, um, since I don't own a car anymore, I actually do my holidays in Luxembourg. I don't go away very much. Okay. Try not to travel by plane if it's not really necessary for health reasons. And we do rafting on our rivers here with friends. And I mean, as long as the climate heats up, why do I need another beach? Andre is something of an anomaly in Luxembourg, a tiny country of just over 600,000 people where cars are king. Before the pandemic, travelling to far-flung destinations was commonplace. There's a lot of money here, thanks to the banks and high minimum wage. Put that in a pot with an international population where half of us are foreigners and you have a heady mix of consumerism. Luxembourg has the second highest earth overshoot day in the world. It means that if all the world consumed at the same rate as people in Luxembourg, on the 16th of February, we would all have run out of resources. My name is Deborah. Um, I'm originally from the Canary Islands, um, but I've lived in Taos, New Mexico for the last four years building airships. Um, and so these guys got in touch with me to see if I could help them with um, doing some consultancy and project management to um, get this off the ground. It's a great idea because it is a very small country where a lot of the construction here seems to still be done with concrete and very expensive materials. And um, from what I have seen, there doesn't seem to be that much of a focus on ecological building or sustainable building. Um, there seems to be a little bit of a movement, but I think it's still very small. So I, I find it really exciting that this project is happening because I think it could really put Luxembourg on, on the map um, and showcase that there is you know, a different movement and a different way of doing things here. How much does this project differ to other ones you've done? Um, well, I mean, the tyres is one thing, that the tyres seem to be brand new here. Um, it is also um, a bit of a slower process here uh, because we are getting more external companies involved uh, to do the roof, for example. Uh, usually we do that ourselves with a bigger team and with a bigger uh, group of volunteers here. Um, there was things where because of the permitting and the license, licensing to get this project done, we had to bring in external providers to help us with external things. Um, we've also had to do uh, the terrassement and the foundation work. Um, that's quite a lot that we had to do again also to, for licensing and permitting purposes. Um, and also the roof, um, is, the roof is supported by pillars instead of um, by the, only by the tires. Um, again, that was something that we had to do because of the building code in Luxembourg. Yeah, otherwise it's, it's pretty standard. Um, we use the tires, we will be using uh, glass bottles for some of the walls inside, um, and there will be some experimenting with the internal walls using other ecological um, materials that we can use. Um, 
So usually we use plastic to as a vapor barrier. So a vapor barrier means basically to have um, something so that the humidity can't get into the building. In this case, we're using a product called Dernoton, which is a completely ecological clay-based uh, product, which is new for a lot of us. Um, but it is uh, something that's you know really groundbreaking and unique to this project in Luxembourg. So by now you might be wondering. Why Cell just didn't call their learning centre an Earthship, like the ones that Mike Reynolds inspired in New Mexico? The problem, as Rodrigo explained to me, is that Cell's building is not an Earthship in the pure sense. Deborah just pointed out some of the main differences, but a key one is that the Erd Chef will be connected to a mains water supply. This is partly because it is a public building, but that's not the only reason. Environment Minister Carol Dieschborg explains. So, so the original idea of the Earthship was to be resilience, have sufficient and off-grid, but in warmer areas where, where you have not as much water than in Luxembourg. So in Luxembourg, one of the discussions we had with the team of Earthship was that for us it's important because we are also self-sufficient as a country because our water from the tap in Luxembourg today is not only of good quality and past lots of controls, but we are also self-sufficient in water as a, as a country. So we had long discuss, discussion about how to break this down in, into the situation of Luxembourg. At the end of the discussion, it was like, okay, let's, let's have the, the rainwater use and, and a water circuit for uh, a lot of, of, of what is done. And only for drinking, we have the drinking water, which is not off-grid. So this is from, from local authorities. And I think it was the same discussion about uh, water sanitation. Um, so we had, in several areas, we had discussions not to go far away from the principles of the concept of resilience. Nevertheless, we had discussions how to do this in Luxembourg. And I know that this has cost a bit of a time. And, and I know that the team, they wanted to start and to do faster. And uh, I'm very, uh, I was pleased that they took the time in order to find constructive so solutions with all actors in order to, to make it a real example in Luxembourg and, and for students also in Luxembourg because the message to drink tap water, I think it's called in English, that we have good drinking water is also a very important message which may not be exactly the same than, than the Earthship idea because this was all planned off-grid. Back at school, volunteers who are staying at the school's boarding facilities are learning some sustainable approaches to living, as Matthias, a long-term volunteer, explains. I'm Matthias, I'm Italian, I'm doing a European Voluntary Service here in Luxembourg for CEL, Centre for Ecological Learning Luxembourg, and for the project Airtrip. And I arrived last August, I will stay one week more, and it's actually my last week here in Luxembourg, so it's a bit weird. I worked one year for this to happen, and now I'm just managing, and I'm not even able to go there and pound tires. But it's quite good, it's, it's like a dream coming true, so it's nice that it's happening. So in the first week, just we had just uh, 20 volunteers. The volunteers organized themselves in small groups and they took care of different aspects. There are people that are taking care of communication, so they 
work on the Instagram page, the, the Facebook page, others are taking care, care of the space, so they organize the movie night, others organize the events uh, for the weekend, and so on and so on. And the kitchen, the kitchen works amazingly, it works for 40 people, even if it's quite a messy kitchen. Describe the kitchen for me. Uh, oh, the kitchen is just two tables and a grill and a cooker and a big gas how you call this it? This is all outside? Yeah, it's all outside. It's outside from the tent. We have in the tent the fridges and outside the whole open kitchen. It's called it like this. So everyone is just responsible for cooking their own food? No, we have like tasks. In the evening there is a jar with all the names mm -hmm. and we have a list with uh, tasks. And you got chosen and you have one task a day. So one day you're preparing lunch, one day you're cleaning the dinner, one time you're preparing breakfast or cleaning the toilets or whatever. A supermarket donated the food, some of which is past its best before date, but it doesn't seem to bother the volunteers, one of whom has baked a beautiful brioche. There's no waste. Even with the washing up, they've devised a system to limit water waste. Eating and getting enough rest is important, whatever you're doing. But for the volunteers who aren't used to doing physical work outdoors, it's even more critical to keep morale up. Everything is broken. <laughs> broken Did I hear you say your back is broken? <laughs> yeah, my back is broken after one week and three days. Uh, my arms and backs are, are over. <laughs> okay. Well, you're getting the beach body. <laughs> so how do you keep motivated when you're in pain all the time <laughs> what keeps you going is it the music yeah i mean yeah we usually have music yeah. the speakers over there but i think it's just the people around you see them working hard and they yeah. inspire you i guess okay and we dance no, the we sing <laughs> what's the party stick uh it's the level yeah. but like we call it the party stick because when your tire is level yeah. and you see the bubble right in the yeah. middle you're so happy you want to party <laughs> For Rodrigo, who is coordinating the project, the problems were just beginning. This first week we have the most volunteers and then it's going to decrease uh, as the weeks go by. And the last week we're still looking for people because uh, we're going to be the 15 core volunteers that are there for four weeks. And I think maybe three, four Luxembourgish uh, dailies, if you want. They just come not every day, maybe. So, uh, yeah, it makes it harder. Right now, you're there 40 people? Uh, 40, uh, at the first day, we were 45. If we keep this up, four rows in, in three days, uh, we should be well on our way next week. But um, uh, we don't know. It is the day after Matthias's leaving party. There's the faint smoky smell of a bonfire in the air and a small number of volunteers are bleary-eyed cleaning up what remains of the festivities. It is not just Matthias who has left. Volunteer numbers are dropping fast. They're waking up too. Huh? <laughs> yeah, we had a really nice party yesterday. I don't know if you saw, is there anything left? Uh, They're cleaning up. Yeah, right, right. that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. It was fun. I mean, we had a bonfire and barbecue. And uh, I mean, Matthias was here for a whole year. And uh, there were also others and so that are also leaving today. So, yeah, that was nice. It's just, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it makes it for shorter nights. 
the first week were really a lot, a lot of volunteers, and um, I think we dropped from 45 the first day to maybe 25 now. We're, we're looking for more, but I think there's, there's more going to come on um, Thursday, which is a holiday, and, and, and Friday. So um, um, we're on, uh, on course 7 out of 12. Did you hear about the tornado? Yes, yes, yeah, it's terrible. And also I thought this is not concerning the, the poor people that got their roofs blown away, but the next thing we're going to do is build a roof, so I hope this doesn't have an impact on finding a company that can actually build a roof on time. Maybe you didn't hear that. I just asked Rodrigo if he'd heard about the tornado in the south of Luxembourg. That's right, there was a tornado. It injured 19 people and seriously damaged around 100 homes. Tornadoes form when humid air collides with cold, dry air. They're not normal for Luxembourg, which isn't exactly known for its good weather. But this summer has been a scorcher. So uh, you two guys can work on that. Um, yeah, clear the dirt out so it, it'll be nice flat to like to hear. My name's Robert Hirsch, and I'm an American who's living in the Czech Republic, and uh, I've worked for Earthship for, for years, and I'm here to build this Earthship in Luxembourg. I'd seen them in the 90s out on the Mesa in Taos, and then years later I rediscovered them on YouTube, actually. I was doing research for alternative architecture, and I saw Earthships, and uh, I said, oh, I want to be a part of that. I've probably fully built about nine or ten, and then I've been a part of probably a couple of dozen more, you know, just pieces of them. When Mike, uh, Mike Reynolds, when he wrote the books, I think a lot of people got those books and just kind of quietly made their own house. So we're not sure how many are out there. And I'm building my own in the Czech Republic, and a lot of people don't know that either. My motivation is to use materials that are free or discarded that are useful, like the tires and bottles and things like that, and the dirt, and uh, also to have a lower utility bill. I'll, I probably will pay for electricity in my house, but I will not pay for heating or air conditioning, and water is on the property. I'll collect rainwater. Well, the ones in Europe, yeah, you do have to account for humidity. It's possible that some of them need a dehumidifier in there, or if you have a furnace, if you have a wood-burning stove or something like that, that'll dry the place out. Um, if it's too cloudy in the winter, which it is in many parts of Europe, you do need to supplement your heating. Like Taos has no problem. It has like 350 days of sunshine. So even when it's 20 below zero out, it's comfortable in the space with no supplemental heating. So that, that is something that can be a bit different in parts of the U.S. and in Europe. But the advantage of an Earthship is your baseline temperature, no matter how cold it is in winter or how cloudy it is, is going to be around 13 or 14 degrees Celsius. So all you got to do is bump up from there. You don't have to start it freezing. So even if nothing was running inside the house, it'll be that, it'll only get that cold. It's the open day for Erdschiff, and after several weeks of scorching sunshine, wouldn't you know it, it's raining. But that hasn't stopped about 30 people turning up to find out more. It's a thing that it's not uh, really easy to make it happen in, in Luxembourg. We know it from other places, but in this country it's, it's quite hard for them how 
to uh, they uh, need to invest time and energy just to uh, convince uh, authorities about what's the sense of it all um, just to uh, being proper in the legislation and everything I thought it was an interesting initiative and and since I have a day off I thought I would come and and see what they're up to I know there are other earthships I mean it's a thing that I've been aware of for for many years it'd be interesting to see how people get on living in them you know but I mean people have been living in them in the states for a long time but that was my question um I think in the states it started in a sort of hot climate and the ground was sandy and possibly more suited to this kind of thing so it'd be interesting to see how it evolves One of the first public earthships in the UK was built in Brighton, on the south coast. Like the Erdschiff, it was volunteer-led, but they faced less red tape. Misha Hewitt of the Carbon Trust explains. Well, we're essentially on public land um, because the whole of the park where we're based, Stanmore Park, is owned by Brighton and Hope City Council, which is a local authority. And, you know, we lease the land off of them. Um, but in terms of being off-grid, no, it's not an issue at all. Um, I mean, we're actually, I don't know, probably almost a kilometre either way away from power and water. So it costs a lot of money to connect our building to, to the national grid. We took essentially a classic Earthship design and we moderated we modified it slightly for the UK climate. And I would say there are challenges in terms of um, how the building performed and how we expected it to perform. Um, and so we could modify it to perform better. I think that we could have a building that's warmer in winter. Um, you know, we have an auxiliary heating system. We've got a wood pellet stove that we fire up in winter whenever we're cold. Um, but, you know, the, the classic idea with the Earthship is that you don't really need much of a heating system or much of a cooling system. Um, and I have to say, I mean, as far as cooling goes, the building's incredible. You know, we were up there during the heat wave a few weeks ago where it was like kind of 31 degrees outside and it was beautiful inside. It was really cool, really, really pleasant. And the second you walked out the door, it was like walking into an oven. I mean, it's like anything, you know, the first time you do something, you know, you, you do it and then you learn from the experience and the next time you do it, you tweak it and you make it better. So, you know, we built the Earthship as an experiment, you know, almost 20 years ago. So if we were to repeat it, um, there's, there's changes we would make to modify it further to a maritime temperate climate. By week four, the team has put up 12 rows of tyres to build the back wall. Rodrigo is delighted, and not just because of the progress they've made. Word is getting out about the Erdschiff, and he received an uplifting visit on the open day. I'm into camper cars, and uh, there is this Luxembourgish couple um, that uh, drive around in a camper, and they, they have uh, their YouTubers, and they're called Patasha's World. And... Uh, as I was driving to pick up some material, I see their camper and I stop and I run out and <laughs> I wave at them and I say, hey, uh, you don't know me, but I know you guys. I'm following you. And uh, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Earthships, but I'm building one and it's right next year and I'm having an open day in two hours. Would you like to come? And they said yes. So they showed up and uh, that was really nice. When do you think you'll finish? It's a question I ask myself every day. It's... Uh, we run out of money in a, in a year's time, so uh, that's the latest uh, we have. This is only the first step. I mean, it's the most visible because you can, you can see a huge wall, but there's just so much more to do.
and all the little details uh, that follow with that and yeah no it's it's still a lot it's been quite an intense what at least two months now i think i've had a day where uh, i haven't done anything so every day uh, it's either emails or uh, bills or um, yeah <laughs> organizing stuff or just being here on the on site so uh, but i mean that's such a, not just me that's that's everyone i mean so yeah I guess you only build one airship in your life. Uh, well, these guys build uh, tons of them, but I don't think I'm gonna. <laughs> I don't know if I, I, I think a lot before building another one. Um, and if I did, it wouldn't be another public one. To put Rodrigo's words in perspective, he and the Centre for Ecological Learning Luxembourg have spent several years on this project already to get funding, planning permission, and to learn the skills to build an earthship. It's already been a really long slog and it's far from over. The volunteers who put in blood, sweat and tears during four weeks were a little more nostalgic. The atmosphere is really nice right now. At the same time we need to share with Anik the day we need to leave. Who is going home by bus or by airplane. So this is kind of sad as well when you actually realise everyone is leaving on Sunday. When do you I have to leave on Sunday, but I have um, I've heard a saying many years ago, which was right at the end of another project, and it was, um, it can happen again if it doesn't end. So in a way, like all those kind of projects, it's not actually about what we are doing. Like, you can pay any company, and they will do it for you, but it's about like the message you can gain from the project and then transmit it to someone else. So I guess a lot more people will know about it thanks to us, the volunteers that came here. And of course it's going to happen again in a different way. To mark the completion of the tyre wall, the volunteers have written messages and placed them in the last tyre. Yeah. No, I just put my signature in. No, no no special message, no. Messages, uh, drive less cars, you see what it does. Every every citizen produces 1.5 kilo of tire dust every year. Yeah, that's a Fraunhofer study. Study, you may look that up. Fraunhofer Umsicht. Microplastic in the environment. Number one is tires. It is the last day of work, and Cell has organised a small party in the evening with swing dancing and vegan Indian food. It feels like the last day of term. There's a sense of happy fatigue and satisfaction. The construction site is eerily silent when Rodrigo pays a final visit. I think the front would be the best way to go. So this is going to be our first cell, and then we hope for cell multiplication. (laughs) (laughs) Or prison cell, I don't know which cell it's going to be, but (laughs) it's going to be a cell either way. (laughs) Padded cell. I returned to the Erdschiff site in early August 2020. It looks impressive. The building has walls and a roof, and work has begun on dry stone walls along the perimeter. These boundaries are made entirely of stones, placed in such a way that they hold together without any other materials. Dry stone walls used to be common on the terraces of the vineyards along the Moselle to retain heat 
and protect plants when temperatures dropped. They also provide cosy nooks for insects to nestle, boosting biodiversity. Rodrigo has now moved to another cell project, and Anik, who has accompanied the project for several years, provides an update. It is not all good news. It's full, full of flowers here, the hills, oh, and full of bees, you know. Oh, so you actually were hearing the bees. It was amazing. October, we had our second chantier participative, also over two weeks. And we built a front tire wall where the windows will be placed on, actually now happening this and the, the coming weeks. And uh, we had built the window boxes in advance also as, uh, last year, October. And then we did a bit of works here and there, and we actually wanted to start with the roof as quickly as possible. And then uh, there was a lot of back and forth um, due to administrative difficulties, dossier got got lost and no one knew where it was and so that took uh, that took a lot of time and then in May June we started with the roof so there was a lot of time we lost in between um, for because and we couldn't really continue with other works because the roof had to be done first then the company came and they were really quick and uh, the result is beautiful the only thing is like well, what's a bit uh, worry, worrisome is that it uh, we had covered the building during winter completely but still you know it rained a lot and there was definitely water getting into the earth and now the building has to dry longer. It's all good, it's nothing got damaged, or, but it's just the performance of the building because we're using like the thermal mass is one of the main principles being built in earth, you know, and that's also one of the biggest challenges with Earthship. It wasn't just administrative delays that dogged the project. On the 31st of December 2020, the first case of SARS-CoV-2 was reported in Wuhan province in China. On 29th of February, first case was confirmed in Luxembourg. Two weeks later, Luxembourg declared it a national emergency. Streets and construction sites fell silent as certain activities ceased and work from home was strongly recommended for those who could. Two members of the team were actually a bit sick and then were worried, oh, maybe we have it because our carpenter of the roof, he was seriously sick. He was like in, in hospital and everything and we're like, oh, maybe we got it too. And uh, so we were actually from very early on in quarantine, all of us. So in, And in the end, uh, we no, no one of us uh, got COVID. Um, but there were a lot of, like for every, as for everyone, a lot of um, inconnus, like an unknowns, you know, how is it going to continue? Uh, we we were like like for myself for example my contract was ending I had a second CDD and my, it was ending end of March and then uh, we got Chômage Partiel we asked for it because we are a construction site and we are working with volunteers and all of this had to be stopped so we were actually lucky uh, enough to get the Chômage Partiel and uh, I got back to the project officially then by 1st of June the planning is like we have a deadline, end of April 2021. <clears throat> we want to be, we want to be done. We want to finish because we actually just have budget till that time, you know. And uh, so we have to give it a push. But uh, yes, not everything works out as you as, as planned. Yeah. Well, we're we're way behind, but we we actually don't even like the planning is kind of we push it all the time, you know. But it's with the roof we lost like uh, three four months uh, or three month max, and then with the COVID again, so we lost half a year. 
Um, but uh, yeah. The good news is that the project is progressing on the education side. Katie Fox, an anthropologist who hosted the team in her home and let them build a straw bale sauna in her garden, explains. <laughs> you know about the sauna, huh? Yeah, so uh, we had uh, the office, we had a big training room, so we did a lot of the trainings there. That was sort of my thing. And, um, and also the volunteers, some of them were living there. So in 2014, we had an idea to do this airship in Luxembourg. I'm, I'm involved now with the ARCS project, so it's the follow-up project for the airship. It's about thinking about what happens when it's, when it's built. We thought about the Fonds National de la Recherche, and their, it's called Flagship Programme. It's, it's a programme that is funding initiatives that um, have science education and outreach of science uh, in their, their main mission. And then we got lucky and we, we got it. So we got the notification in March. Since the world has a little bit changed, but uh, <laughs> what it is is uh, to really fill the, the airship with life um, and to create really interesting educational programs for teenagers and adults. And uh, what we propose to develop at the moment is really fun day-long workshops with uh, game activities in them uh, that bring together sort of escape room type challenges where the young people have to you know they, they had some kind of story that happens and then and within a limited time frame they have to solve various things in order to to be freed from the airship so they're basically being locked into a room and then they have to find out various cues and things and it's all themed around the topics that are really close to the heart of the airship so water energy food and then yeah a couple of other things maybe climate comes into that as well so all the big sustainability issues of our time. What we're aiming for is a sort of low-tech lab, you know, to really think, like if you think about science, often it's like the cliche is men in lab coats. But there's a different type of science that we sort of want to learn more about, you know, the science below our feet, for instance, you know, all the life in the soil that's really critical to our survival as a species. Um, and then, you know, how much energy we use and where the resources come from. The idea that we give people to really think a little bit more and reflect about the impact of our lives, the way we want to live and what's quality of life really, you know, things like that. Annick and her team were in a race against time. Covid restrictions made it hard to do group activities to help make up for that lost time. The team could not afford for anything else to go wrong because as a not-for-profit, they had a limited budget. Then disaster struck. During December 2020, the building flooded several times, damaging the floor insulation. We had to replace the floor insulation like three times in the end. And you can imagine, you know, if you already have to redo a work for a second time, that's like um, very, very energy consuming. But then a third time, that was really hard. Yeah, and then from March onwards, uh, a brighter <laughs> brighter face came up again. Uh, we organized a lot of workshops during spring and summer uh, 2021 now with the schools, uh, which worked really well. And on the other side, we had this year, 2021, we had a lot of uh, national volunteers together with Esanjot, Service National de la Jeunesse. And uh, that was also a really nice experience because we had people with us on an everyday basis who stayed over a longer period.
I returned to the site at the end of August 2021, just over two years after my first visit. And the Edshift looks impressive, even if it is still a building site. Anik has established an office inside it. We were due to meet a month earlier, on 15th of July, but the day before, Luxembourg experienced torrential rains. Some areas received 40% of the entire month's impressive rainfall within 24 hours. We had to postpone the meeting so that Anik could help her mother clean out her flooded cellar. We live in an area where we're used to floods, um, to, to smaller floods, you know, because we're living just next to a river. And um, so we were well prepared, but this never happened before, you know. It was an exceptional situation, as everyone know and knows. And um, um, I have friends, for example, from Mersch, their basement had completely been flooded and they lived for us for a few weeks afterwards because they couldn't live in a house. It was so, you know, it stank, stinked and, and, and mold was building up. And, uh, and yeah, now they have to refurbish the, the whole ground, the whole basement, part of the ground floor, and they live in another flat. Yeah, a lot of people were really, uh, uh, we were still lucky, and my mom, but a lot of people, yeah, they experienced uh, quite some damage. Not that night, but the day after, we actually came in <laughs> after our two floods during winter, last winter. We like, every time we have a heavy rain, we come and check, like either my colleague or me, and just to be sure that nothing happened, we were really lucky and happy that um, the edge was safe. After these rainfalls, we're like, okay, uh, everything, all systems work at the edge, and we can be confident that uh, that uh, the ship is safe. safe. Two years ago, you were, there was a tornado in the south, mm. you've had a lot of flooding, there was a heat wave mm. last summer, um, does this make you more aware of the, the extreme weather we're having? The fact that you're building this and spending so much time outside? Yeah, definitely. I see. I think I also work a lot. I have a garden and I work in forests. And you can see how plants are changing uh, for the past decade, decades already. And Canada is burning, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, it's raining like Japan. You have this massive, uh, uh, how, how do you say, like, a, yeah, and... and it's all a bit out of order and um you know you quickly forget again about this uh this this uh situations but um we they don't happen for no reason originally the plan was for the completion date was for spring of 2020 Wow, the original one was December 2018. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we are, it was just not realistic. I mean, with such projects, um, there are so many, it's a first, you know, so we're supposed to finish by this year, which we really try to do, we give our best, but um, yeah, construction projects don't always go uh, as you even, as you expected. Even traditional construction. Even projects. traditional ones, yes, exactly. <laughs> what, what remains to be done then? For the edges, yeah, we are now on the floors. Like we are uh, putting tiles, we're putting natural stone slabs, we're covering the ceiling. Um, there are some companies, like the plumber started this week. There are some uh, works which have been done by companies, as um, as we have to, as we as it is a public building, and we have to uh, guarantee some works. One little project within the big project, which has, still has to be done, is the construction of the air cellar, like the root cellar, and we'll start with that in two weeks. Yeah, lots of times people ask me. 
if I think that the airdrop will be reproduced in Luxembourg and I think uh, maybe there are some people who want to build their own airdrops not necessarily in Luxembourg but in or in the region like in France I know one from France Germany Belgium there have been also a lot of people from abroad who came and had a look um, I think that there are a lot of the airdrop in itself to reproduce it as it is maybe not as much uh, but I think a lot of elements within the airdrop uh, will be reproduced massively. We can see it already like with the, with the root cellar. There's a huge demand now apparently. The entrepreneur told us that people are asking about this and they want to do this. Or for example the Dernoton, like the, the waterproofing uh, layer we've put all around the building. It's a really interesting material and people want to use it or the ramped earth as well. So. Uh, also aquaponics, there's so many aspects and so many um, details like little projects within the big one which, is, which have great potential and I think those will be reproduced a lot. The Airship in itself like this, uh, let's see. The Airship podcast was a special edition for the Newsmakers series for Delano. It was recorded and edited by me, Jess Baldry. 